This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Warning! The following podcast contains adult language, adult content, weird and unusual stories that all happen to be true. We didn't start this war on safety, but we're going to fight that safety war and we're going to win it. This is going to be a little bit of a different episode, a little bit more drier, a little bit less commentary. But we're going to be going over some of the major parts of the emergency temporary standard from last week. It's a little bit drier than usual, a little bit less exciting, I guess, in my opinion at least. But some really important stuff going on here, and we really need to pay attention with this, whether you get your information from me or anybody else. Being pissed off about this standard isn't going to get you in compliance with this standard. So I would suggest you shed the pissed off attitude, if you have one, and just go and comply with the standard. And of course, we do have public redress here in this country, the United States. If you feel you need to comment on this, we do have a comment period. So go and comment on it. Yeah, so I'm doing take two on this whole thing. <laughs> right? It's an ongoing thing. How dry do we make this? I don't know. It's kind of hard. As a former mentor of mine, Reed Buckley, who was the uh, brother of William F. Buckley, I'll name drop here. Uh, he told me, look, if you're presenting something and if it's not exciting, it's your own damn fault, Jim. And that's just the way it is. He was very frank and upfront with his comments. Great guy. Anyway, rest in peace, Reed. We're going to talk about ongoing questions for the emergency temporary standard for workplaces issued by OSHA last week, today on Safety Wars. I can't believe the amount of commentary I'm seeing out there on OSHA in the last week. It's like with the virology stuff and the medical practice. Overnight, everybody became virologists. Overnight, everybody became a certified safety professional or a safety professional or CIH, whatever you have, in about a week. Now everybody is making comments on OSHA and biological safety and how and everything else. Well, if you're that upset over the standard, how about you not go and bitch at your safety professional? How about you go and you issue public comments because we do now have we do now have a public comment period on this regulation and expires very early next month that's december 2021 if you're listening to this later on uh so i would no pronto go out and issue some public comments on this to the agency so what are we talking about here in case you haven't heard of it osha issued an emergency temporary standard entitled 29 cfr 1910 subpart u or 1901.501 covid 19 last november 5th last week what does it do it covers and is implemented for employers of 100 persons or more we're going to go through some of the questions here from their website and go over some of the things that i've been getting things that i've been wondering about uh, i disagree with a lot of it i agree with a lot of it i'm not really going to go into it what you need to do is remember last week there was a stay issued by the fifth circuit court of appeals that delayed the implementation of the that may delay it right we don't know if it's delaying it or not as of today, Veterans Day, Veterans Day morning, November 11th. And by the way, thank you, veterans. And if you have a veteran in your family or your friends or you see one on the street, give them a, don't give them a hug. It's COVID, but, or her a hug for that matter. Remember, there are a lot of female veterans that get neglected in this country and forgotten. But there are men and women in this country thank, that fought for this country and served in peace and in war. Thank them today. But I, let's get back to what we uh, were talking about. We need to let the court sort this out. So there was a stay issued, meaning it's not going to be implemented, per se, what have you. I don't know all the legal ramifications, but if the stay is lifted, we got, we're there under, uh, we're into the compliance deadlines of December 5th, 2021 and January 5th, 2022. We're there. 
you gotta go in there. So, for those people saying, you know what, we're gonna go, we're gonna wait for these fourth cases to settle out, and we're not gonna do anything, not gonna write any plans, guess what? December 3rd is gonna come around, and they're gonna say, oh, guess what, this is all back in place, so we're gonna go, and now you gotta be com in compliance on December 5th, and December 6th, an employee makes a, uh, 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 complaint to OSHA, dials that 1-800-321-OSHA number, and before you know it, two to three hours later, they're there, and they're there at your front door. Now, oh, what do I do? Oh, crap. That sucks to be me, and it's going to suck to be you. So what does this do? The ETS. An employer with 100 people or more must establish a mandatory vaccination policy, which includes record-keeping, removal policies, and some compensation for getting and recovering from the vaccine. If the employee chooses not to become fully vaccinated, covered employees must ensure weekly testing within seven days before returning to work. Again, this may change, so but you know, go to the regulation. And the employer must ensure that an employee who is not fully vaccinated wears a face covering indoors. Not a respirator, not a face mask, a, a face covering, which could mean almost anything. And this is part of what the problem is. You have here the most deadliest virus to ever exist in at least the 20th century. 21st century, I'm sorry, 21st century. It's the most deadliest virus. We're out there with face coverings. Oh, that's good. You know, really good. The standard will supersede any state requirements that apply to the workplace. So if your state is saying, look, we're not we're not allowing any type of mandatory vaccinations for the workplace, blah, 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 blah. Guess what? You're under this, uh, you're covered under this standard. This standard applies to you. You shall do this, right? You uh, shall do it regardless of this. And as I pointed out, all this stuff, they can knock down certain requirements in the standard by law by court system or by whomever, all the other standards still apply. So this is a little bit more complicated. So if this regulation holds, I'm going to go, all of the, my commentary from here on out uh, comes from, and the uh, answers I give come from the OSHA website, osha.gov backslash coronavirus backslash ETS2, as in emergency temporary standard 2 backslash facts, F-A-Q-S. ETS, frequently asked questions, these are them. I chose a couple of questions that really stuck out to me. What does this uh, thing with, to do with the thresholds and the times and everything else, right? What are the effective date and the compliance dates for 1910-501? The effective date for the ETS is November 5th, 2021. That was last week, which is the date the ETS was published in the Federal Register. Although the ETS becomes effective immediately, employers are not required to comply with the requirements of the ETS until the compliance dates as follows. So here we have the compliances. December 6, 2021. One, establish policy on vaccination. Two, determine the vaccination status of each employee. Number three, provide for employee vaccination. Number four, require employees to promptly provide notice of a positive COVID-19 test or diagnosis. Number five, remove any employee who received positive COVID-19 tests or COVID-19 diagnosis. Six, ensure the employees who are not fully vaccinated wear a face covering when indoors or when occupying a vehicle with another person for work purposes. What number are we on? Number seven, provide each employee information about the ETS. Workplace policies and procedures, vaccination efficacy, I can't say this, efficacy, effectiveness, all right? Safety and benefits, protections against retaliation and discrimination, and laws that provide for criminal penalties for knowingly supplying false documentation. Okay, so... Let's talk about this one here. I'm, this is my comment, not OSHA's. Can you imagine? Frank doesn't want to have the vaccination. Now he's making us go through all these hoops and everything else. Well, guess what, Frank? You're going to have a problem. Or Frank 
decides, hell, I'm not getting a vaccination, so they're going to go on the internet, or maybe he's already downloaded it from a website from the government that was taken down in June, but he was got in there you know, before June, like we pointed out on this program and on the regular safety program, where Safety Show with Jay Allen was that these cards were available online from a government website. You, all you had to do was download them and cut them to the right size and make up some numbers and you're golden. But those cards are still out there. Now let's go back to this, right? Well, first of all, people are going to hold it against Frank. Frank ain't going to have a job. That's going to be really good, right? We'll see what the lawyers do with that one. The next one, report work-related COVID-19 fatalities within eight hours of work-related COVID-19 inpatient hospitalization within 24 hours. The question is this, for that, who, no, this is Jimmy talking here, who is going to determine that? Usually the employer determines workplace fatality or work-relatedness and everything else under the 1904 record-keeping standards. But the problem here is this, OSHA is like the IRS. The IRS doesn't tell you what your taxes are. You have to get with an accountant or other qualified individual, right, CPA, and you have to go and determine what your taxes are, and you have to pay them. And if that determination done by you and your accountant is wrong, they're going to come knocking on that door, right? And the same way with this, with OSHA. You have to determine with a qualified person, preferably occupational physician, a safety professional, familiar with record keeping, things like that, maybe even your human resources, whether it's work-related or not, and then you make the determination of that. If it's a wrong determination, and if OSHA finds out about it, we'll talk about enforcement. Maybe this time, maybe, maybe later on, maybe next step. I don't know. You have to make, you know, they, they're going to make the determination for you. And if that's not true, now you get into all different things with workers' comp and everything else. It's a nightmare. It's not something you want to foul up on. I'll tell you that much. Make certain records available. That's in accordance to the medical standard, uh, something like 1910, 1020, where we have medical surveillance and things of that nature. All that has to be made available uh, under the law. Uh, to certain individuals. That's all for December 6, 2021. This is what's on January 4, 2022. That's one requirement. You have to ensure employees who are not fully vaccinated are tested for COVID-19 at least weekly, if in the workplace at least once a week, are within seven days before returning to work, and if away from the workplace for a week or longer, right? This is all in there. So you have testing requirements that are required then. Here's some other questions here. How are employees counted on the multi-employer worksite? You gotta go company by company. And then you can't combing or combine uh, employees. And it doesn't appear that you could do an aggregate sort of situation where if you own multiple companies, you uh, then you have to count all the employees as the same. But remember, state law may say something differently on this one. I don't know, it's a mess for the uh, attorneys to figure out. Are employees who are work exclusively outdoors counted? And this is a quote. Yes, if an employer has 125 employees and 115 of them work exclusively outdoors, that employer would be covered. However, the standards protection would only apply to the 10 employees, for example, working in indoor settings around other individuals other than telework in their homes. Not to those employees working exclusively outdoors. So if you're working outdoors exclusively, you can have a workaround on some of this stuff. Again, referring to the regulation. If I decide, no, there's another question. If I decide to have a mandatory vaccination policy, does OSHA require me to continue to employ an unvaccinated person who refuses to get vaccinated? The answer, the short answer is no. But before taking any personnel actions, you got to consult lawyers, the law, labor management contracts, and everything else that goes in there. Next question. Are there any exceptions to the face covering requirements for, fully, for not fully vaccinated workers required under the standard? The answer is yes. 
The employer must ensure that each employee who is not fully vaccinated wears a face covering when indoors and when occupying a vehicle with another person for work purposes, except when an employee is alone in a room with a floor to ceiling walls and a closed door. For a limited time, while the employee is eating or drinking at the workplace, or for identification purposes, in compliance with safety and health requirements. Okay, I know some people who graze all day long. Alright, graze the entire day. I guess this is a workaround? Hey, I'm a grazer. That's what. It, believe it or not, that's the medical term, a grazer. I can imagine. Hey, I'm a grazer. I'm eating the whole time. I don't have to wear a mask. That's going to be lovely for the uh, safety professional to deal with. When an employee is wearing a respirator or a face mask, again, not face covering, a respirator meaning that there's some other respiratory hazard, or a face mask, for example, a medical setting might be a face mask, even though that's probably covered under uh, 1910-502 uh, of subpart U, which is a different thing that was issued in January for everybody else, right? Number four, when, where the employer can show that the use of face coverings is infeasible or creates a greater hazard. Now, we all know on paper, and I heard this for years on paper, yeah, you put someone, you need to send someone out for a respirator fit test and pulmonary function test and medical monitoring and all that crap in 1910-134. It's not crap, it's actually a really good thing, but you, you know what I'm saying. You gotta go out there and you gotta do it out there. Because they can put on a respirator and they can have like an asthma attack, heart attack, there may be something else going on there, claustrophobia, everything. We all knew on paper this could happen. I've been doing this for close to 30 years, believe me. I've heard this, I've read it, I've never seen it, but I've read it. We did have some guy though. Uh, during the pulmonary function test one time, defecate himself. But that's a story for another day. But anyway, I, I, we know on paper this could happen. But we actually saw this earlier this year when I was at a event where someone put on a face covering and had a legitimate seizure of some sort. I don't know if it was asthma attack or something. But anyway, so it can happen. I have seen it happen with just a regular face covering. How do I determine if a COVID-19 fatality or in-person person hospitalization, inpatient hospitalization was work-related? OSHA recognizes that it may be difficult for an employer to determine whether an employee's COVID-19 illness is work-related, especially when an employee has experienced potential exposure both in and out of the workplace. For purposes of this ETS, when evaluating whether a fatality or in-person hospitalization is a result of a work-related case of COVID-19, employers must follow the criteria in 1904.5, 29 CFR 19405, which is the record-keeping standard for determining work-relatedness. Again, this standard here is completely in agreement with the other one. This is what the problem is. Did it happen at home? Did it happen at the workplace? I think that's going to be almost impossible to determine. And I think that the statistics that they're going to use to, to, for this, right, that they're going to collect, because remember, you have electronic submissions for uh, these large employers also for uh, uh, the uh, OSHA 300 logs and everything else that go along with it. I don't think I'm going to believe those statistics in the least bit when they come out. Was it work-related this or not? Well, for, you know, again, let's go back to Frank. Hey, Frank, uh, you've got COVID-19? Yeah. Well, didn't your spouse have COVID-19 or your child or another family member that you live with? Yeah, well, guess what? We think that you got it from them, not from work. Tough. Well, you know, and then Frank is going to say, well, you're none of your business what goes on in my house. And then now you have conflict. So I don't believe any of this stuff, the statistics for this are going to be questionable at best. And I'm not saying anything against OSHA. OSHA's got to do what it needs to do. It's a great organization to work with. And, no, I, I have great relationships with the people inside OSHA. That's wonderful. However, a lot of these things that are getting thrown in there and what they're being asked to do, like I said in previous podcasts and interviews, I think they're out of their scope here. I think that they're requiring things of a individual now. That is the vaccination. Whether it explicitly says that or it compels an employer to make that requirement for their workplace. And... We could, uh, you know, we, we all agree, okay, you go into work, you have to wear a hard hat, safety glass, follow this procedure, follow that procedure. Okay, we get it. Now they're telling you to do something outside of your home, 
with your own personal health choices. I think this is where this is going to fail. They're out of their jurisdiction on this. Uh, with all due respect to the organization. So, for Safety Wars, this is Jim Polzel. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.